with the seventh pick in the 1995 NBA draft, the Toronto Raptors select Damon Stoudemire. They have beaten Michael. They have beaten the Bulls. Let's go home. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Number one, Tracy McGrady. Carter at the buzzer. No good. We had guys in the head of stat line. Zero, 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 zero. 81 points game. You have witnessed the second greatest scoring performance in NBA history. Brooklyn takes game seven. Chance after chance for Toronto. We'll be back to LeBronto. <laughs> Twenty-five years. In that time, some of us learned to love the beauty of basketball. It's been a beautiful struggle, but the struggle was real. Heartbreak, empty hopes, broken promises, but persistence pays off. Over the decades, we've had our share of stars, but it's the worker bees that we really rate. An organization not defined by great players or plays, but great people and memorable moments. the dinos then they crown the dinos now it's game recognized game unbelievable respect and much respect to these fans to this country this is unbelievable this is the best game with the best players finally in the best city in the world the world's game taught us about assimilation by a Sikh immigrant i love basketball i'm addicted to it and i want other people to get addicted to it it taught a son of Africa to dream big. I want you guys to work as hard as you can. Be the best person and be the best basketball player that you can be. And showed us what civic pride really meant. Believe in the city, believe in yourselves. Over the last two decades, the Raptors, their players, their fans have meant more than just wins and losses. 25, the silver anniversary. But we've got that gold now. 25 years in the books, and this team, this country, this sport is only getting started. No longer niche, it's nationwide love for the world champ. Cheers on our anniversary. What's up, everybody? It's Free Association on Sportsnet.ca. We are back. A little late, a little late, but better late than never. That's kind of my, my credo to life. Raptors are NBA champions. I'm J.D. Bunkus, and he's Donovan Bennett. I'm with you once a week for the rest of the season. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing well because there's a genuinely a different feel to a podcast when the team you're talking about every week has a $100,000 ring on their fingers. No. Like what? If they lost to the Pelicans, they got blown out without Zion, would I be feeling less well today? No, no. I mean like I think that there's more of a grace period that everything's going to be all right. Cause you have like that championship feel for a little while. Like you are married. I have never been, but the honeymoon period, like, didn't you feel like when you got back from your honeymoon that you had more of a time where you're like, man, it feels so great to be married. I'm so happy. 
I'm so great in my life. And that more problems you kind of rolled off your back because you remembered, where'd you go? Hawaii. You were like, oh, baby, remember Hawaii? Remember that night on the beach? And you're like, yeah, you know what? Everything's fine. And that probably lasted for like three months. I think we've all just learned a lot about you because I think that's what your internal voice sounds like, the voice that you just made. A cool voice? Sure. No, I, I felt like, man, I'd rather be in Hawaii. Like, I wish I could go back. If anyone's been to Hawaii, it's amazing. But there certainly will be a honeymoon period for this team. They're playing with house money for this year. I think they're probably playing for house money for next year. But for our business, that's not great because we want conflict. We want friction. We want tension. That's what drives interest. And so in a way, I think the fan base is calm and carrying on, which is going to make this season an interesting one. Do you think that I will remain calm through the most of the season? Hell no. Yeah. Because you, you're not a, a fan. You're yeah. a psychopath. Are you? Yeah. I was going to say that I don't think that you need to worry about uh, me just being easy breezy throughout the entire year. In fact, you're not going to believe this, but during the Pelicans game, I texted a friend and said, this is a must win. <laughs> I, I do believe. I do, I do believe that. They kind of treated it like a must win. It was a seven man rotation of seven and a half. I guess they gave uh, our boy Terrence Davis 15. So before we talk Raptors, before we get into some big season questions that, you know, you and I came up with over the last uh, week or so, let's just reminisce for a second here and let's talk a bit about banner night because yeah, the franchise only has one and you know what? Nothing's given. You may only get one. What, did you think about the way they executed that ceremony that night in general? Like, did you have anything that, you know, really sticks out to you? I mean, they actually have more than one. They have the conference finals banner. They have another banner, which you, is sir. new. Did they have a banner raising night for that? Probably. They had a, do you not remember they had a banner raising night the first time they won the Atlantic division? You don't remember that? I remember them putting it up there. Didn't they win their first Atlantic like the first year that they said, hey, everyone, divisions don't matter anymore. <laughs> just for <laughs> just it, for name brand purposes only. I hated the fact that they did it then mm-hmm. because the goal should have been title this opening night, celebrating this. And to be in a division with the Celtics who have banners of Hall of Famers and rings and you're celebrating a Atlantic Division title. Mm. Even the fact that they print Atlantic Division title t-shirts is embarrassing. So I love the fact that finally they got the real banner and they have now amalgamated the Atlantic Division banner and it just lists the years that they won the Atlantic. Good move. I didn't notice that. Is it a good move? Well, I mean... I mean, it's better than what it was. Yeah, exactly. But still, think about the building that you're in. Mm -hmm. There's Legends Row, literally outside. Mm -hmm. It's not average row. It's not pretty good row. It's legends row for the Leafs. So you're sharing the same space and you don't want to feel like little brother, yet in some ways you're acting like little brother. I was hoping that not only would the banner of the championship be unveiled, but that the Atlantic division banners would just be blown up and like disintegrate and people could catch the pieces and that'd be their collector's item. Didn't happen. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, I, I love the fact that they've got that banner. Question for you, though. Some people were upset that, and we, we use this phrase in sports, raising the banner. Mm-hmm. Some people were upset that they actually didn't raise it, that it was just up there. No, that's not a real thing. Oh, it 100% is. What? 
Yes. I didn't see any of that. I think if you're actually mad about. So for context, the Cavs raised their banner. Like yeah. they literally stood there, looked up, someone's pulling a string on each end. Like they did that whole thing. I want to start the game. And if you have to raise the banner, I would assume that takes a little bit more time. And at that point, once we're at the actual banner and we've already seen everybody go down the row and get their rings, I'm over it. You just gave me the best idea that I can't believe they didn't do though. Did you ever know what that Nas song about the father that puts his son's ashes into a diamond? I saw on TV today, this man lost his son, his son died. So he had him cremated, took his ashes and made it into a diamond ring. Now he watches sunshine every day. I just thought about that while I sit here ashing in this ashtray. I'm not sure how it applies, but go on. Why didn't they just burn all those banners and put all the ashes into the Raptors championship ring? How cool would that have been? Although, you know, DeMar DeRozan's already taken enough heat in terms of seeing that team. Imagine taking all of DeMar's accomplishments and being like, meh, we're going to burn them all down and we're going to put them in the ring that you don't get. Ugh, too tough. I rescind that take. I rescind that, that idea. But I, I kind of like your idea that Atlantic championships don't matter. I had some favorite moments of that night. Number one was Alex McKechnie and the cheer he got from the crowd because it just shows how real Raptors fans are. Like, I criticize North American sports at times for not having crowds that have enough energy. And the Raptors are just one of those fan bases that have it. Like I've said forever, you go to a Raptors game, it's just, it's a completely different environment than a Leafs game. Even when it is the playoffs, I'm sorry. And to see the pop that your trainer gets, your head of, uh, or I guess that's probably the light way of putting it, but a team doctor. Director of sports science. Thank, thank Put some you. respect on his name, trainer. That's why you're here. No disrespect to That's trainers. why you're here. There's one of us that's a professional and the other is just kind of like flying by the seat of his pants. He just works for a corporate company and in order to pay him what he wants to be paid, they have to make up a title like that. But the cheer he got, man, that's such a real cheer, like cheering on Alex McKechnie, seeing Masai Ujiri and just how genuine he is all the time. Kyle as the anchor was awesome. But quick last thing before we talk about the fans, is there anyone in North American sports that's easier to cheer for than Masai Ujiri? That is easier to cheer like, for. Like if you had a power rankings of dudes that it's like, you're I mean, so proud that's going your guy. Iliad Kipchoge. I mean, he's ran the marathon faster than anybody on earth. Yeah. Swung Although Biles. the shoes, though. I heard about the shoes. The shoes controversy. You don't have a credit card? <laughs> you can get those shoes if you really want to. Never heard of Amazon? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. But yeah. Okay. I'll put him in the conversation. Uh, and then I'd throw Masai up there as well. I loved Masai's moment. And to your point about the fans cheering for Alex, and let's be honest, a lot of that has to do with Kawhi and his load management. Because how many of those fans knew who Alex was a year and a half Nobody. ago? Actually, I think his most famous moment was... DeMar and the thumb? Yeah, DeMar. The, the shoelace? The, the shoelace. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. when he got to OG status. The Maasai moment to me was great because, if we're being honest, a lot of those fans didn't think they were going to see that night. For, oh, for yeah. The vast majority of this franchise winning a championship, like, the playoffs is nice. And for the most part, let's just get out of the first round. Masai is the one who constantly said, believe in yourself. And he would not just say, believe in yourself. He would then double down and say, believe in this city. Mm -hmm. He made a direct correlation between this city, civic pride, and the team and their prospects. So for him to see it come full circle was awesome. Because he's, it's funny, LeVar Ball was in attendance. Masai is the one who was speaking it into existence, literally. And for him, and this is why this fan base is different, not just to get chance. He got MVP chance. How many executives in sports are getting MVP chance? Him. 
him and I don't know, maybe Spurs fans used to do that for RC Buford, like back in the day. I don't know. But RC's like in the back. It's yeah. not really seen. Yeah, you barely really see him. Is. He's the spokesperson for Toronto. Like he he is. He's one of our ambassadors. If Drake is called the global ambassador of the Toronto Raptors, I think the, the actual global ambassador is also still Masai Ujiri, that he wears multiple hats and that that is also one of his roles. Spectacular night. So happy that the Raptors won that. The banner is terrific. I will say my nitpick was the ring. The ring is a little gaudy for me. And I think that it's weird that now championship rings all have to be bigger than the last one because they all want to say that. Whoever the jeweler is, whatever whoever gets it, you want to say, this is the biggest championship ring in championship ring history. But it's like, where does it end? Well, it's like waterfront property, right? Like house comes for sale. There's a reno. The person next to you, the reno has to be a little bit bigger. It's been 24 years. Mm. They've waited for a while. They don't know when the next one's going to come. You knew they were going to flex with the ring. I love the fact that superfan Nob Bhatia got one, even though lots of people were in their feelings about it. Mm -hmm. I also love the fact that Drake got one, even though lots of people were in their feelings about that. Dude, who are these petty people that you know that are mad that the banner didn't get it's raised? It's called NBA Twitter. I didn't see these people. Like I just, I was in my tears. I was in my hands weeping about how Masai Ujiri means too much to me that he probably should. <laughs> yeah, I mean, MLSC gave... Like, 5,000 rings to, to employees and staff. Oh, I thought you were going to say that's all that was in the building that night from the fake ones. Like you had to be in your seat by a certain time. No, no, there was full 20,000. Yeah. If you were there, you got a, a replica ring, which are being sold already online. I don't know if you've seen this. How much? For upwards of $500. For the replica ring? For the replica ring. $500. That's where it starts. There's some at 650 and I assume no. that's going to go up. You have the internet. eBay, this Gigi, look it up. This is not fake news. I, Dude, the first year of Drake Night, the Drake Night t-shirts went for hundreds, and in some case, thousands of dollars. It wasn't an OVO t-shirt. It was like a gildan with an owl on the front. And wait. now and now we've got Drake Night t-shirts all the time, and he's got his own Raptors clothing line. I think you underestimate how badly some people want some of this merchandise. I do, wish you, do you not remember the lines down the street? from real sports to get the championship pack gear all summer. The thing is, is like you can wear a t-shirt, you can rock a hat. It looks cool. It's like you signify it to your tribe, essentially. Like when I was getting ready to go out and watch the Raptors game and I see people in Raptors hats, it's like the person that you get to fist bump on the street. Like you get to have that interaction. You're like, go raps, bump it. Do you do that? Hell yeah. You just, you I don't say bump presto it. And you see a guy with a rap sound, like, go raps. Bump go it. raps all the time. Yeah, Man, right. I say go raps in, on the subway the creepiest once a day. Like, when you have rap. to audibly say bump it? Like, no, I don't say bump it. Oh, I don't okay. say bump it. Uh, oh, that was your inner voice saying yeah, bump that, it. Yeah, my, right. my inner your, voice is like, oh, I did voice. that for in case you couldn't pick it up on the camera or for the people that are on the uh, just on the podcast stream, like they know what I'm doing here. I'm going for the fist bump. Yeah, I think if you say bump it, no one in the history of saying bump it has gotten. I don't know how like many people in history that, say bump it. I feel like the only guy that says it is like a boss. I think we have a word like for that. Boss. It's called a pound. Like, yeah. I don't think you actually say bump it. Yeah, that's but too you literal. don't say pound it because that's different. Okay, let's move on before <laughs> our, our show is canceled. Uh, what do you think the fan base is going to be like this year? I think that those who feel a bunch of people who jumped on the bandwagon, the We the North wave that was across the country was just a moment in time and it's just going to fall back and probably fall back worse because for the first time in history, the finals MVP did not come back to his team. I think they're mistaken. I mean, I know they're mistaken. When you look at the fact that our opening night, 
on Sportsnet, highest ratings for a regular season game ever. The Raptors this offseason, I did some of the numbers as we talked about this on the chat room this week. This offseason, the Raptors, in terms of social mentions online, we want to use Twitter as a metric. Not only did they increase what they did the previous offseason, they increased what they did the offseason before that. So remember what happened. Kawhi coming, Tamar and Dwayne leaving. So much Raptors talk online. This year, they signed Matt Thomas and Rondi Hollis-Jefferson. Like, it wasn't a lot of conversation, but there was still more. And if you want to say, okay, well, just online talk is, is growing year over year, that's it. Well, let's use a comp. The Blue Jays, for example, another national team that the entire country likes who should own the summer, even though it's a day in the year, they still play every day. The Raptors, for the first time ever, outnumbered the Blue Jays in social mentions online this summer in their offseason when the Jays, we were talking about them. Bo Bichette setting records every day. The top five mentioned uh, Toronto athletes, three of them were either Raptors or ex-Raptors this year for the first time ever. So, no, there is a huge appetite for this team, regardless of what happens on the court this year, and it's not going anywhere. I loved your video essay that we played off the top of the show. It was phenomenal, but... The tweet you had to caption it was they used to clown the dinos. Now they crown the dinos. And first of all, I don't think anybody in the company comes up with better taglines. In fact, this podcast should probably have a better tagline. Like, why haven't you given free association a better tagline? I feel like you could have come up with one. I don't know if you would have used the phrase crown in that context. But I, I think Stephen F. Brunt is pretty good at what he does. Yeah. I mean, taglines, though? I feel like a columnist, yeah, he's better than you. Like, no offense, but that guy can whip up a column. A book? Uh, like, I'm waiting on your book. But tagline? Keep, keep waiting. Tagline? I don't know. I think you kind of might have the belt in the building. Let's see what Brun can do. But <laughs> the second thing is, what I love about it is, I don't think you lose that identity here. Like, I don't think that this fan base, the diehards, ever lose that feeling of disrespect or being overlooked or being a part of a different country. Like all of those things are just ingrained into the identity. Like the Raptors just won a championship. And when Kyle Lowry went to the players tribune, he's talking about how he still doesn't think that the Raptors get enough respect, but that he doesn't care. And I think that's a healthy attitude to have about it. But I also think that that image with the old fan base is always going to be there. The second part is though, the fans are going to keep growing. And here's why that group is so likable. What Raptors player right now do you, even get like frustrated with like Serge Ibaka is probably the most frustrating guy on the Raptors roster from a, like a consistency level of what you're going to get game in and game out. And now everything we've ever found out about Mafuzi chef and how hungry are you and him in the back of the car with Kawhi. Like there's just too many things that even when Serge has a bad effort play, you're like, ah, Serge, like I still love you, buddy. Like they're so likable. They have all these hardworking blue collar guys that I think the fan base really identifies with. And now they're winners, they're champions, who people now believe that they can do it again. That losing Kawhi is extremely detrimental to your championship chances moving forward. But like, why can't you recreate something down the line? Why can't you find the formula again when those guys, they are winners, they are champions? I love that Serge had this offseason as a guest on his show, How Hungry Are You?, Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. And Serge is going right at him about the fact that even if KD was healthy... The Raptors would have won. Of which, course. Of course he believes that, which is tough to argue considering how hot KD was. But that 
same fire that Serge was talking about in the video is, is what he plays with and is why you're willing to ride with the highs and lows. You mentioned Kyle Lowry and his Players' Tribune essay. He has a way with words, evidently. And I actually think that's one of the few Players' Tribune articles that was actually written by the player. Like, I actually think Kyle wrote that. The interesting mm. thing, I mean, this is an audio mm. medium and also a visual one. You look suspect. I don't think any of those guys write them. I, I remember when I everyone was like, agree. wow, Blake Griffin, he's such an incredible writer. I was like, no, he's not. Well, actually, I think Blake might write as well. He's a comedian. I know. he's So you have to write jokes. Yeah. I think Blake, Blake's pretty smart. Yeah. Anyways. I don't write. I think I'm moderately smart. Like, okay. you, I, you get to say that as a writer where you're like, you nah, can I don't even be smart and not write, everyone. I think Kyle wrote that. There was so much specific detail in his upbringing that it wasn't just someone throwing together a framework and him filling in the blanks. I think he sat and wrote about it. But you mentioned the chip on his shoulder, the fact that, uh, listen, everyone's doubting us again, and I don't care. Mm -hmm. I think he does care. I think the reason oh, he definitely cares. <laughs> why he is as good as he is is because he cares. And there's, there's two types of motivation, psychologists say. There's approach motivation, and then there's avoidance. So approach is you're, you're motivated by things that you're approaching that you could attain. So if we're using the Raptors as an example, envisioning hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy, the banner night, those are the things that are driving you as you work out and work through things. Then there's avoidance, thinking about maybe getting cut, maybe being out of the league, or thinking about all the people who have said you can't do it, and that's, that's what's driving you. What's that? That's me. I think that's also Kyle. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what are you? But oh, yeah, that. You're that, avoidance. That, that for sure. And I will say that, again, I don't have your big brain. I don't know about approach and avoidance. But what I do know is that when someone says, I don't care, they care the most. <laughs> like That is, I don't care 101. Ooh, well, so when Kawhi Leonard says, I don't care, do you think he cares? I think he's right. I don't even know. I don't know. Here's the thing about Kawhi. I don't know anything about him anymore. <laughs> like, I don't. Th I think we never knew anything about Kawhi other than he's really good at basketball. That's it. I can't tell you one thing Kawhi likes, one thing he stands for, one thing he thinks, whether he's really smart, whether he's not, whether he's calculated. I just know that he loves basketball and he's the best player on the planet at it. That's the end of the list of what I know about Kawhi. And he recruited Paul George so they could be in commercials yeah. together. Yeah, that he recruited everybody. It's <laughs> like calling everyone. Uh, we got to take a quick break. So we've got some new things for you this NBA season. And no, it's not just Terrence Davis playing so well. We have a newsletter that will break that down and so much more. Our weekly newsletter from NBA editor Stephen Leung. It gives you original content, opinion, analysis. You can't find it anywhere else. And it is delivered directly to you right in your inbox. Sportsnet.ca slash newsletters. Just subscribe and we got you. want to talk to you about our NBA newsletter, which you can find at sportsnet.ca backslash newsletters. Our NBA editor here, Stevie Lung, he's going to write you something every single week, put it out there, original takes, original opinions, keep you updated. Nice little subscription thing that keeps you up with the news. Uh, I love it. And I think you're probably a subscriber as well. You going to jump on the newsletter? JD, what is life's greatest resource? Water. I mean, No. I don't know. <laughs> Natural minerals. Gold. 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 Is time. it gold? It's oh. time. Because we only have an infinite amount of it. We, we, no one can get more or less than anyone else. Mm. And you don't know how you as a person, 
how much you have left. The newsletter is going to save you time. If you want all of the great Sportsnet content in one place, it's in your inbox. All you got to do is subscribe. I love it. You sold me. Less time or more time. I have more time using less time. Uh, okay, so Raptors big questions. Let me just start by asking you this one because I, I think it's in terms of the one people want to know about the most is Siakam because he's the go-to guy on the team this year and he's going to be the one that absorbs a ton of shots. He's the one that people thought was the fringe all-star last year behind Kawhi Leonard. He was the number two. When Kawhi didn't play in games, it was clearly Pascal Siakam's team and Pascal Siakam's offense. But everyone wants to know about how you progress as a player. What do you need as a player? Donovan Bennett, big question number one. What does Pascal Siakam need to do in order to take that next step? I think the next step is the toughest one to take. Because it's not just about internally improving your shot or your, your handle or your understanding of the game. It's taking the fact that on the scouting report now, 82 nights a year, your name is first. It's in bold. And when we watch tape, you're the red dot guy. You're the guy who they take the laser pointer in circles. And he's never had that. Mm -hmm. he's not, not only has he never had that in the NBA, he's never had that in any level. Let's remember, this is a guy who's played basketball, basketball, the sport, mm -hmm. for eight years. He was the 27th pick in his draft class. He's never been the guy. It's not as if in his AAU career or in his NCAA career, he's been their guy and then had to assimilate towards being a role player. No, he's always been a role player. He's always been someone who would outwork you and outrun you down the floor, and that's where he got his points mm -hmm. and his value. Now he's being asked to create for himself and others in the half court, to be able to accept the double team, recognize before it comes where it's coming from so he can make the correct pass. That's an entirely different thing than he's being asked. So if you're saying, well, I mean, he averaged 4.2 points and then 7.3 and 16.9, oh yeah, based on that math, we just keep going up and up and up. It's different. And I think that's the biggest adjustment. Every once in a while, when I watch Pascal Siakam, do something incredible. I remember his first season with the Raptors when you didn't even trust him with a four foot shot. Like he'd be four feet from the basket on the baseline, completely uncovered. And all you would think of is get rid of the ball, not you with the ball. And now he's this, you know, six foot nine, depending on the day, I guess, because NBA.com updates how tall you are now, like every day. I like, we know less about heights than we ever did, but he's a six foot nine ball handling big who can get to the rim with ease and has high level playmaking skills. I think we know those things. To me, it's about two things. One you touched on consistency. When the scouting report is for you and it's not just on the back to back when Kawhi is out, can you do that over a stretch of games? I don't expect him to be, you know, 34, 18 and five every night, but I don't really know what the ceiling is from a scoring, rebounding and assist standpoint. If he's going to have the ball, and a usage rate that's as high as we saw in game one. Like, sorry, he won't have that usage rate. I think to me, it's two things. It's the above the break shooting and the ability to kind of have some semblance of a, a variety of his offense rather than just getting to the basket and then being able to do that consistently. And if he can pull those two things off, I don't even know what to say the ceiling is. We had Howard Beck on Good Show the other day. And when I asked him who he reminds him of, he said shades of Kevin Garnett. And I don't think he'll ever be KG good, but can he be 80%, 85%? Like what, what is the ceiling for him? So 
to me, there's, there's nothing more exciting about this season than seeing what Pascal Siakam can become because like, you're right. He's been playing ball for eight years. He's never been a focal point and the drive and the raw ability is just, it's almost unparalleled. He gets his max extension. I don't think people really appreciate the ascension that he's had. This is a guy who in his first season did not make 130 shots. He just got 130 million in his third season. Like that just doesn't happen. I was in wondering where you were going with that number. <laughs> I was like, what's the 130 shots? I was like, that's, that's, an, that's is that a benchmark for shooters benchmark, in a season? Yeah. I was like, what? That just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. He gets the extension. He gets the money. Are you worried about having him as the max slot guy moving forward? Big question number two. Who is the Raptors number two? Can I say they don't have one? Yeah, I think that's a I great think, answer. Because I don't think they have one. I don't think that's a diss either. Although, you know, it would probably get us some more hits if uh, we tweet out the headline Donovan thinks the Raptors don't have a number two and Kyle Lowry will see the headline and not consume and add me to the list of media members that he has uh, a hate for, which drives him. And hey, Kyle, if you need it, hate me, it's fine. They don't have a number two in this sense. I think their greatest strength in a time when the NBA is no longer right now about super teams. It's about NBA Jam. It's Noah's Ark, two by two by two by two. Mm -hmm. Every team has two great guys. I think there is a value in not necessarily having a, a great two, but when Nick Nurse looks down the bench, he sees a different option for a different situation, but he also is never put in a position where he has to play somebody that sucks. There's a value to that. Just the institutional averageness of the team. And so I think there's some nights where we saw in game one that Number two is going to be Fred Van Vliet. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be obviously some nights that Kyle Lowry is going to be the number two. And and I think even though he's probably descending, and I said last year he probably shouldn't have been an all-star, I think he's going to be an all-star this year in the East. Kyle? I do, yeah. Okay. With D'Angelo Russell mm -hmm. uh, going to the West, um, with the East just being terrible, he's going to get a point guard spot. As an, I mean, how many other great point guards are there in the East? Maybe Trey Young gets one, maybe, but it's still a bit early. But you have Kemba, you have Kyrie, and then where, where are we going? I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. But yeah, Trey Young feels like a guy that he'll put up so many raw numbers that he's probably going to be the number three. But yeah, Kyle could be in the conversation. I just wonder, like, I th first of all, I think your answer is the right one, that the Raptors are going to be very egalitarian this year, and the best man is going to be the next man up kind of situation where they look at it and say, who's got the hot hand tonight? Who's going to be our best guy? Fred Van Vliet was that in the opener. And I think if I had to pick one name, I actually kind of am circling him, which is really interesting because there was something we saw in that game that I need to see if it lasts, which is his ability to get to the basket. Like, that really stuck out to me in game one. I, I don't know about you, but I've never seen Fred Van Vliet get to the basket with that much ease. Like I've seen him make spectacular plays doing it, but generally when he drives, I'm like, Fred, don't drive. That night, he was just like, that's against Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. Like that's not a slouchy Phoenix Suns on a back-to-back -back night. That was the point guard billing that everyone said was the best point guard duo in the league when it comes to defense. And Fred Van Vliet shredded them for mucho points. And I don't know if he is going to have that because again it's a one game sample it's a high energy night it's one where he got a ton of minutes 
the best thing about Fred Van Vliet is I think he gives you what you need on a given night and that that night the Raptors needed scoring. But so far, I'm not going to doubt anymore Fred Van Vliet. I've just done it too many times and it's burned me every single time. And in a season where a guy that his whole branding is bet on yourself and he's in a contract year, like, ah, uh, I'm going to bet on that guy if he's betting on that guy. I'll make a distinction a little bit on what you said. I don't think he has ever had an issue of getting to the basket. I think he's always been able to get to the rim. He's on six feet. If you let me finish. It's whether or not he could finish at the rim. Because yeah. he's often got to the basket and then would pull Wayne Gretzky and dribble around and try and make a pass for someone else. But he was able to finish. Now, how much of that is not just the fact that, yes, the, the Pelicans have good perimeter defense, but Zion was not in the game and there wasn't the same rim protection when you're playing Jaleel Okafor a bunch of minutes. Right, like so. Too many minutes for Jaleel. Uh, I mean, any minute is probably too many. Melly for Jaleel Okafor. So, how much of that is different if you're playing a team who has some rim protection? But yeah, I think the difference was that he got to the basket and he finished. He didn't just dribble around and try and kick to the short corner for a three or dump it off to a big for a dunk or just dribble around and continue to dribble and reset uh, a different play. I'm interested to see what Fred does only because when you look at his numbers his numbers are so much better when he's on the floor with Kyle Lowry mm -hmm. in a sense Kyle Lowry becomes the two I think that is going to benefit both of them I think Kyle Lowry in a year where they're really going to need him to be healthy because Kawhi is not there to carry the team at times I think he's going to be able to play and load manage at the same time because mm -hmm. he's going to be off the ball. He doesn't have to turn three times when someone's picking him up at half court. He is stout enough to guard twos. And again, when you look across the league, but specifically the East, how many shooting guards scare you? Like having a bunch of great shooting guards is something that happened when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Now the sport has changed where it's point guards and it's you know f stretch fours and fives. I think Kyle's going to be fine guarding other teams' twos. And I also think that both Kyle and Fred together, they're not much taller than either of us. But when you see them up close, they're built like squares. Mm -hmm. like, like massive chests, which allow them with their feet to move and stay in front of people, to not be bullied in the post. So I think they're going to be fine defensively. And I think Kyle is going to really help Fred when they play together. And I think Fred, in a way, is going to really help Kyle. And that's why I think Kyle and Fred are both going to have good years is because I don't think it's just an anomaly that we saw them starting together uh, in game one. I think we're going to see that quite a bit. Yeah, it does feel like that's going to happen. And I get Fred Van Vliet when he was on Good Show during the summer said, no offense to Jamal Crawford. I love Jamal Crawford, but I didn't get in this league to be him. I want to be a starter. And if there's no one that's in front of him, that's like an obvious choice. Then, yeah, I don't see why they they're not going to go with Fred VanVleet as a starter for a little while. Yeah, it's probably going to trade off between him, being him and Kyle. When you say no offense to, you're about to offend someone. Yeah, like, I don't care. General no offense. Rule yeah. is like, it's basically you should just say, I don't mean to offend this yeah. person, but get ready because they're about to be offended. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. He probably said it in a less disrespectful way, but uh, that was essentially the, the line that he had was like, I didn't come in the league to be a six man. I but can't. I also think strategically, because after the finals that he had, mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of teams who are interested in FEV shop coming to their town. I do think strategically. Don't scare me like that. I don't. I. I, I can't see the Raptors lose Fred. Like it's just that. What's it going to be then? Like turning the keys over to Terrence Davis at well, the wait, end. Wait. Look. Look at the money that Malcolm Brogdon. I know. Got. I know. So if we just 
He's getting Malcolm Brogdon money. You better believe it. But in that world, strategically, if Fred starts 40, 45, 50, 55 games this year, mm-hmm. I think that is smart for the Raptors to then say, hey, listen, we bet on you when you're undrafted. Mm-hmm. And we bet on you again because we didn't have to start you. You could have been the sixth man of the year, but we gave you a bunch of starts. We believe in you. So whether it is with Kyle or without, we have a lot of faith in you. And your dream of being a starter is not something that we diminish. I'm not going to lie. When the Chicago Bulls drafted a point guard this year, I said, thank you. <laughs> Much appreciated. Signed, all of Toronto. We, we need the Bucks to get their point guard situation. Uh, here's order. the thing. You don't have any more money for your point guard situation, Bucks. Uh, the, uh, good luck with that Bledsoe deal. Big question number three. Who's the bench piece or the low risk bet? You can choose either which way you want to do it that you're most interested in this season. Terrence Davis. Yeah. And he reminds me a lot of just his game of T. Ross with a sprinkle of humility. Similar athletic ability. I love that. Similar ability to guard. But there is no sense that he's just going to take some random early in the shot clock, pull up heat check three that makes you want to pull your hair out. Well, not on a championship caliber team. No, but I but also not the way he got here. He wasn't a high draft pick like T. Ross is. He's an undrafted guy who had to show out in the summer league just to make sure that he was invited to camp to make the team. I think it is a real show of confidence by Nick Nurse that he's already, as you alluded to earlier, somewhat in the rotation. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a shot at some other guys. Oh, absolutely. Who were brought here to defend, two of which went to Arizona and and should know how to defend and aren't doing it at the NBA level, especially when that was literally the only NBA skill above average that they brought to the table. People thought they would figure out their offense, but at least they defend. Now, if they're not defending, what do they offer? I think because of opportunity and because of his potential ceiling, given his age, I think he is the guy. What about you? My honest answer is also Terrence Davis. Okay. I was interested in him from the start. I like, I like, raw guys like that he's a senior i think he's smart you saw one little play where he drove the basket and just dropped it off to serge Ibaka. i'm like that's a senior play like that's not a rookie freshman that you brought in here like this guy's smart he's got feel for the game and part of me also now just wants the raptors whole identity to be like we only do undrafted guys like we trade all of our first round picks away and our whole thing is that we only take undrafted guys maybe second round picks will make an exception for you guys but that's who the raptors are because yeah here's a here's a prediction i'm willing to make that I'm not afraid of after only seeing the Raptors for one game. There's going to be teams that regret not taking Terrence Davis in the first round. Like when all is said and done, some team in the mid first round, late first round, 20s is going to say, we probably should have taken Terrence Davis. But I'll say just for variety's sake that I'm really interested in Stanley Johnson because he didn't just get one year like Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Like he got a two-year contract. So Masai Ujiri went out and said, uh, we got to have a little bit of competition for you. We want to have you around. Like, we're not just going to cut bait on you if it doesn't work out. Like, you're here for two years. We gave you a little bit of term. And you're right. Not a lot of money, though. Not a lot of money. So, yes, of course, if you need to move it, you can do it. It's not hamstringing you from doing anything. It's up by the time that real contracts are, are going to matter. I just think that in terms of rehabilitation projects, that's the first guy Masai identified. He said, let's go get Stanley Johnson. He gave him two years and he was in his draft class. And we get trapped to this stuff way too much at times, like where you were drafted or who you are. But Stanley Johnson, 
there were moments when you'd watch him at Arizona that you thought, man, this guy, like if he can develop a jump shot, w where does he stack up in the league? Like that's, he's that kind of guy. And so can they develop like a halfway decent shot? Can they get the defense to play more consistency with more consistency? Because the tools with Stanley Johnson are all the way there. He's the like ultimate Raptors reclamation project. Given the makeup of the roster and you know, yes, he's got two year deal. Mm -hmm. Rondé is on a, on a one-year deal ultimately it doesn't matter Monday's better too though right that's why he's only taking a one-year deal at low money like but from a team perspective one two whatever as long as we like the amount that we're willing to pay you we don't care because if it doesn't work out the only thing we really care about is that you're not here when we need to actually have that money in those roster spots to get real guys when the free agent class gets crazy the interesting thing from those guys is the fact that they're necessarily not here for a while actually makes it, for me, harder for them to make an imprint on this team mm -hmm. because any minutes you are giving them, you're not giving OG Ananobi, mm -hmm. you're not giving Norm Powell, you're not giving Terrence Davis. And so the next two years, what does it matter if they win 45 or 50 games? Does it matter? Probably not if you're the third seed or the sixth. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. No, at this point of the franchise, the only measuring stick is how close are we to our next championship? Mm -hmm. And if those guys aren't getting you there and the young guys potentially might, what's the point? So here's what I think the point is. To me, the Raptors being an island for lost toys or misfit toys is the greatest benefit that they have now as a franchise. If you can take guys and rehabilitate guys and have that edge of where undrafted free agents want to go, like Terrence Davis was a first round draft talent. He didn't want it. He did the Fred Van Vliet thing. He's like, don't draft me. I don't want a two way contract. I want a one way contract. Sure. If you can get guys who are free agents in that class of, yeah, well, I'm pretty good, but how good can I be? How can I develop? How can I even on a short term deal fit in with a culture that demands more of me and gets more consistent play out of me? That's the image you want to have. And if you can keep winning and you can keep producing without a, let's say, super duper star of the Kawhi level, maybe when one of those guys comes up and one of those guys wants to chase a ring and they identify the NBA, they say, you know what? Maybe the taxes and the weather and some of the other downsides of Canada are going to be tough. But you know what I can do? Live in a world-class city and potentially win with a group that has a consistent level of churning out really good players and demanding those guys. And did you see the honest quote? Yeah, there's actually... Uh, Is right, there an update? Right before we came to air, apparently uh, Giannis clarified and... and or, or, hey, he or, can clarify all he wants. I heard the original quote. Apparently, uh, he said that those quotes were not his. He but said those quotes weren't his? Yes, but continue, continue. Sorry, I'll, I'll okay. look for his uh, for those that didn't For those that didn't see it, essentially, Giannis was talking to uh, the Harvard Business Journal... And they were talking to him about the benefits or downsides of playing in a small market team or the challenges. And the paraphrased quote was, if we don't have success, it's going to be harder to stay here. Uh, we've been having success so far, but if we don't continue to have the same success, then it'll be more difficult to be in Milwaukee. So he's clarified and said, if you kind of read the last quote, I've never used those words in my life. Whoa. Taking a shot at Harvard. Giannis versus Harvard. The new rivalry. Either way, I'm not a huge, the Raptors are going to sign a massive superstar guy, but I will say that if you continue to win, you continue to build that way. To me, that's the best model that you can have in the NBA moving forward. So the original quote that Giannis yep. said it was, I want the Bucks to build a winning culture. He went on to say, 
allegedly. So far, we've been doing great. And if this lasts, there's no other place I want to be. But yeah, if we're but. underperforming in the NBA next year, deciding whether to sign becomes a lot more difficult. And again, he clarified to Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel today. He said, if you kind of read the last quote, I've never used those words in my life. So he's never used words like deciding or becomes or a lot more difficult. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Those, yeah. those words are pretty basic to me. But yeah. evidently he's saying he didn't say it. So we shall see. I mean, listen. Maybe he didn't. It, this is going to be very clear. He's Harvard, either going track record. He's either going to sign an early extension or he's not. Yeah. And if he signs an early extension, this is a non-starter. And if he doesn't, these rumors are going to continue to swirl. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, people don't turn down that type of life-changing money if they're happy where they are. Very true. Do you want to do one more Raptors question or you want to take a break and hit some NBA? Let's take a break. All right, let's do it. Got an ad read here. Going to do my best. SN Now. A product that I don't need the ad read for because I fully endorse it. It's so damn good. I don't know why you wouldn't have it. You don't need crappy streams. You don't need to be searching around the internet, getting viruses. Here's the thing. You can just get an app on your phone. You can get an app on your desktop, on your laptop, whatever. You can watch Sportsnet games. And here's the thing about Sportsnet. Uh, we've got everything. Like, you like World Series? It's here. You like the Raptors? Well, we just talked about who had the record home opener. Like, you want to watch the NHL? Well, it's the home of that. Just get SN now if you're a sports fan. And I promise you, you will never look at your bill for it. It's so cheap. You go Anyway, go visit SNL.ca for more details. But here's what I'll guarantee you. You're never going to look at your credit card statement and say, man, I really wish I didn't pay for all those sports that I really love to watch and having the complete good access to it and the no viruses. That really sucked. No, it's great. Just go get it. And we are in right now. I like to call it the sports vortex this time oh, of year. It's the best. Where you've got all of Fall. the great sports. NHL, obviously, and NBA starting the World Series. But yeah, go get SN now. Go visit snnow.ca for more details. Um, and you can figure out how to get it. Because again, it's a great product. Uh, so we've got some other questions from around the NBA. And some things that you and I were pondering. And we bring in our producer, Amal Delich, who is off camera, but on mic. And he looks like he's about to either do a classic radio read in an old stand-up booth or just lay down a vicious like backup vocals on a Yacht Rock track. What's going on, Am? I like Yacht Rock. Who doesn't? I, I, do, I definitely do agree with that. And I also do agree with SNL because I am a Canucks fan. So I'm a, a fan of any Canadian team, but a majority Canucks and those are regional games. So SNL. Canucks. You can get all the regional games. It's kind of nice. This is kind of your year. It's kind a, of a bit of a breakthrough. It's a, it's a goodie. I mean, especially because we've got a radio station out there and i got a good buddy out there. I'm, I'm rooting yeah. for them to make the playoffs. How are you a fan of any Canadian team? That makes no sense. You're a fan of like a fifth of the league? You know, it's uh, my allegiance is where I work. It's, it's, I want all the Canadian oh, teams in right. the playoffs. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. Even I'm the Canadian teams, hey. their bitter rivals are the other Canadian teams. You know who I'm also a fan of as an employee of uh, Sportsnet? All the Canadian teams. <laughs> yes. You know what? I am a Rogers stock owner. You know what I love? Canadian teams. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hit us up. What do we got? All right. So Lakers Clippers. Did you guys take in the game post? Of course. Oh, yeah. Yes. It was a it was a must watch game. Uh, Lakers aren't a contender. I believe this is JD's question. Mm. Is Kawhi's the, the league's best player, even without Paul George? Do you both believe that Kawhi doesn't even need Paul to be the best player? In the West, I'll just say it. I don't even say the NBA, I say the West. 
I mean, he didn't have Paul George last year. I'm not certain Paul George makes other people better. He didn't make Russell Westbrook better. I mean, he made Dame Lillard better when Dame ended the Thunder's championship hopes and waved them goodbye. Yep. I, I think Kawhi is the best two-way player in the league. His offense is now catching up to his defense. And the reason why the Clippers are scary has nothing to do with Paul George for me. It's that Kawhi in big moments is crazy in that they're actually a team. Like their roster is constructed for the players to complement each other and for their bench to help their starters. They scored the uh, Lakers 60 to 19 in terms of their bench. I love Kawhi and I think they would have been title favorites even before Paul George decided to go there with him. I agree. And in that question, I probably should have cleaned it up a bit, but I took a shot at the Lakers in there. I don't think they're a contender, period. Like you the, don't think La- the Lakers are a contender? No. I mean, that's crazy. Well, see, that's what I mean. I think you're crazy for looking at that team and thinking that they can win anything. What are the Lakers? They're just two guys and no, a I'm bunch not, of... You can't say just two guys because those two guys are the only two teammates oh. who are both in the top five in MVP odds. They're, mm-hmm. they're, by the time they're in their careers, they could be top five dead or alive players ever. Nah, Anthony Davis isn't going to be top five player ever. If he wins a couple championships with the Lakers? What can Anthony Davis not do? He cannot ever be Shaq. No, he can't stay healthy. That's his issue. (laughs) But if he was healthy, he's a dominant force. The Lakers are still a beast. Don't let one game fool you. It's not one game. It's just that I've watched a lot of basketball in my day. And here's what I know is that two guys with a bunch of spare parts that don't make any sense. Like Jared Dudley's out there. Honestly, Lakers fourth best player until Kyle Kuzma gets healthy is skinny Dwight Howard. Like that's the guy who was having an impact in that game. Danny Green had 28 points and he was just unconscious in that ball game. Like he's hitting fall down threes. We got a full season of Danny Green. He's a good player. I don't think that he can be a number three option on a championship winning team. Someone who's got to create off the dribble and all of a sudden be creating their own shot. Like the Lakers just don't have anything past those two. And then maybe Kyle Kuzma. And I I don't really know how it fits, but the original question is about Kawhi. And the secondary thing that you said there leads perfectly into the next question. But I'll just say this. I think Kawhi is by far the best player in the NBA now. And I think any team he goes to that has depth and guys who know their role, they're immediately the champs. And it's what broke my heart about watching that game is the Raptors are repeating as champions this year if Kawhi Leonard resigns. And you'll never be able to convince me of anything other than that. Question number two. Love this question. Is LeBron a top three player in the state of California? So I also love this question because it puts you in an impossible position because I know you're not putting your boy Steph Curry, behind LeBron James. So is LeBron James better than, right now, not career, everyone, everyone calm down. Is LeBron James, as of today, you're drafting a team, you need to pick somebody. Is he better than Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and Steph Curry? Yes. Who? He's better than Anthony Davis. I don't know. I do know. LeBron's 34 years old. He is. And... He got hurt last year, which is something that doesn't really tend to happen with LeBron James. I mean, Anthony Davis got hurt every year, but yes. I think guys can stay in front of LeBron James with a little bit more ease than they used to. And his jump shot is a bonus in his game. It's not the strong suit in his game. He's a great playmaker, but the pieces around him, again, I don't really like as the ones that he makes to the plays. I actually do think LeBron's a top three player. I would still take him over Steph Curry if I needed to win a championship this year. So who are your top three in the state of California right now? Number one, Kawhi. Number two, Anthony Davis. Number three, LeBron James. 
in a very, very close number four, like maybe he's better. I need a little bit more time. Like you can give me a 10 game sample of LeBron James and maybe you're going to flip that Steph Curry pick with for me. LeBron's not LeBron anymore. Like we're going to learn that this year. He's going to be great. He's going to be good. He's going to be one of the best 10 players in the league, but I don't think he's going to be one of the best three players in the NBA and the best three of the best four or five players in the NBA all reside in the same state. And he's just not one of them. LeBron is still LeBron when he wants to be LeBron. Like Ooh. as much as we've talked about Harden and Westbrook averaging a triple double with mm -hmm. crazy usage, I think we all agree if LeBron wanted to average a triple double, he could. So the level of his greatness is based on how hard he needs to play at any one given time. We've seen in finals when the best players are on the yep. floor, he takes his game to another level. And we saw when he was playing with a bunch of scrubs and the season was virtually over, he shut it down with the Lakers because at this point of his career, all that matters is championships in terms of his legacy. So if the Lakers towards the end of the year and in the playoffs are close, I think we're going to see LeBron get to that alien level. There's no situation where, and he had the movie Space Jam this offseason, there's no situation where if the aliens came down, I know we always use this situation, but if the aliens came down and we, we could only use players in California and we had to pick three, one of the first three would not be LeBron, and he probably would be second. And he might be first because Kawhi could be playing for the aliens. I think if you're a top three player in the league, or sorry, in the state of California even, I think that you find a way to make the playoffs and you don't just completely quit on a season all of a sudden. Like, LeBron doesn't play defense anymore. You're, like, you're saying when he can. It's like, all right, maybe. But like I said, I don't see the same LeBron James anymore. And if you give me, it's like, I'm taking those other guys. Uh, also, De'Aaron Fox is like, put my name in the conversation. I'm putting his name that I'm putting clay before De'Aaron Fox, even with a broken leg. Uh, what's next? Yeah. I forgot the Kings were totally in the state of California. They are. Thank you. North very much Cal. Yeah. North Cal stand up. <laughs> yeah. Buddy healed. Who's, who's better? <laughs> Great night. Left. LeBron or buddy. Um, what's your level of concern with Zion being out six to eight weeks? Can I start here? Yeah. Very. <laughs> I am terrified. I can't remember being as excited for a player as I'm excited for Zion Williamson. I think I've said this before on this podcast, but one of the greatest appeals of the NBA for me is it's the, the league of freaks. It's like, it's the freak league of all. And Zion is the freak of the freak league. Like they don't have a guy like him. We haven't seen a guy like him. Remember the first year of Blake Griffin's career that he was actually healthy, man. That was like every night you had to watch it because he was going to do something amazing. And I think Zion is the more exciting version of that. Like we now have League pass. We now have SN now. You can watch all those games whenever you want. Losing Zion Williamson to a leg injury in college and now a knee injury that turned out to be worse than it is, is difficult to swallow because I want to believe he can play at that weight, but now I don't know for certain if he can. And that to me sucks because I, I love my big, beautiful boy, Zion. Like, please stay healthy, Zion. I am shook to the core. So the good news is that he is with the Pelicans who have one of the, the best medical staffs in the league now. They didn't for the bulk of Anthony Davis's career. But you know more random things about the NBA than anyone I know. Like, you're like, the medical staff of the Pelicans is good. I'm like, 
Okay. <laughs> that's our job. That's, that's literally our job. job. No, 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 I got interviewed at Sportsnet. They don't know. They're like, uh, so you're applying at Sportsnet, sir? I'm like, yes, yes. They're like, uh, what do you think of the Pelicans medical staff? I'm like, uh, they're one of the top five. They're like, all right, job's yours. Well, our job is to pay attention on things that happen. I know. That's and what I mean. You have an incredible amount, uh, like uh, ability to retain knowledge. Anyway, sorry it's for doing that. research. <laughs> so David Griffin, who before taking the job said, I need money for analytics mm-hmm. and I need money for the training staff because you guys are in the dark ages in terms of what you're doing and credit their ownership, which has never spent money because they also own the football team and that's what they really care about. They said, okay, fine, whatever we got to do. So some of the, the former employees that were with him in Phoenix, the best medical staff for a while in the league have gone to New Orleans. The point is he is in good hands or is the best possible hands he could be in terms of that situation. The problem is the math and the comp. We've never seen this before. People talk about, oh, how tall is Zion going to be? Who cares? How heavy is he? Mm -hmm. He, This guy's 280 pounds. Mm -hmm. He's the second heaviest player in the NBA. Yet his greatest ability is to do things the way guards do them, mm. dribbling up the floor, switching out on point guards and, and getting out and playing defending, above the rim. playing above the rim, leading the break with the ball in his hands or finishing at the rim with alley-oop dunks. And now we're asking him after he was only in college for a year, he couldn't get through a college season without injury issues. We're asking him to do it for 82 nights in New Orleans going, you know, two to three hour trips both ways in in the middle of the United States in terms of the travel, it's not looking good. So much so that he couldn't get through summer league without injury. He couldn't get through preseason without injury. And now whenever David Griffin talks about it, he is one defensive and two, he sounds like he has mothballs in his mouth. Like he's just making things up. It is not, not good. Alvin Gentry is like, well, he's not dead guys. Sure. But that's, what someone says <laughs> when the, such a low bar. Honestly, hey, he's not dead. Oh, but he's also not playing, and <laughs> yeah. the season is starting. Oh. So I, I think you certainly should be concerned. And you you mentioned the term freaks. Yeah, think about the freaks that we've had in sports. Like Javon Curse, his nickname was the freak. Mm-hmm. He had a high ceiling, but also a quick demise. I think freaks are freaks for a reason because you're not supposed to be able to do those type of things. I loved your medical staff stat. And then the rest of that answer made me more and more paranoid that it's bad. I thought you were going to do the whole, like, here's the thing. Medical staff is great and he'll be fine and he's young and he'll be healthy and it'll be okay. Uh, Also saying someone's medical staff was in the dark ages is like super harsh when it's like, get gout. It'll prove you're rich. It's like, that's not great. Uh, We got to run. This was fun. Uh, Again, we're here every week. We're going to be recording and dropping on Tuesdays. Dropping on Wednesdays. I mean, you have a microphone. You could have just talked. Yeah, I was going to say. You didn't need to whisper to us. So by that, I mean, we are recording on Wednesdays. For those of you that don't know anything, subscribe to this podcast. uh, Leave a little review. Let us know what you think. And as always, you can ask us questions in the reviews. I love that. Anything you'd like to say to the associates before we go? Raptors medical staff is pretty good, too. Pretty damn good. See you next week.